0: Hello and welcome to a special edition of the Abundant Yoga Teacher Podcast. I'm Amy McDonald, yoga student, teacher and yoga business coach. In this special episode, I'm taking you inside the Business of Yoga Speaker Series where you'll meet yoga teachers, experts and entrepreneurs from all over the world. I'm not kidding. We're going to Melbourne, Singapore, London, Barcelona, San Francisco, New York and more talking all things growing your yoga business. I hope you love learning from my guests as much as I enjoyed interviewing them. And if you do, please leave a review for this podcast. Enjoy. Hey folks, my name is Amy McDonald. Welcome to the Business of Yoga Speaker Series. I'm so excited to have you all here and I'm delighted, delighted to introduce my very first guest who's just been sharing with me off camera that she is approaching chaos in her life and has even, despite all of that, Made time to talk to us today. So at six a.m. her time, so Kelly Smith, welcome to the Business of Yoga Speaker
1: Series. Hello, thanks for having me. I miss my chaos.
0: It's fantastic, and I um, you know, people people who don't do yoga they often talk to me about why they should get started, and I'm really so much more interested in the because when you're packing up your house, you're actually okay with it. It's it's not the look at the fancy stuff I can do. It's I'm okay in chaos. <laughs>
1: mm-hmm. Yeah, we can. I know how to function in chaos because of yoga and wine.
0: Yes, a beautiful connection. I think. I think that's the ninth limb <laughs> of yoga. We're going to have so
1: much fun. That's what Patanjali said, but they edited. They edited it out. They were like, he was like you talking take the wine this? bit out.
0: Well, yeah, right. Because the man had half a snake body. I mean, he could do whatever he liked. <laughs> totally. Okay. Uh, let's do. I'm going to read everybody. You're a professional bio before I get way too unprofessional and um, people tune out because who was that Australian woman that anyway, here we go. <laughs> Folks, Kelly is an ERYT 500 uh, certified yoga teacher. She is a yoga alliance continued education provider, love. And she's a founder of yoga for a location, independent and meditation school and the host of the Mindful in Minutes podcast. We've got podcasting in common as well. So good. She's been teaching for over six years. Love this. She's taught over 5,000 hours in six years. And how good is this part? She's currently certified in nine different styles of yoga and meditation. I think that's probably all of them. She currently travels all over the US and globally running yoga, nidra, restorative yoga and meditation teacher trainings, as well as retreats and pop-up events for students and for teachers. She likes to focus on the limbs of yoga that aren't asana based. Very cool. But she also teaches vinyasa classes. Uh, she's been a studio owner and then uh, when her husband moved for his job, she went and she took her I'm guessing yoga studio onto the internet, so lots of good stuff for us to talk about today.
1: <laughs> yes, I, uh, you know, as with most stories, mine's not very linear. You just have to roll with it.
0: Which leads us back to why yoga in the first place. It's not about your butt. It's about those important things. That's yeah. yes,
1: not about not about the butt. Also, in the sutras. <laughs> <laughs>
0: I've never been a big Patanjali fan, but I think you're bringing me around. I'm going to pull that out and take another
1: read. I really like Patanjali. We study it in my teacher trainings and I like to take it and like apply it to like a 2019 world. But when you're studying it, there's times you read things and you're like, what are you saying? So that's why we always study it as a group, like in teacher trainings and then, and then how does that apply now to our modern day? I
0: love that. And I also think that, um, you know, my teacher, um, one of my teachers, he as an academic, reports in about the new things that people discover about that text. Like just it's it's old and yet we still get to learn more about it as as fabulous scholars continue to dig more into it. It's it's it just keeps on giving.
1: Yeah. And I think, cause like even in the sutras, Patanjali says, basically it's all about the lens that we look at things. Mm. So whatever we look at, we're all looking at it through a different lens. And so everyone's going to interpret something differently, but right. it's through the process of yoga where we're trying to ultimately just remove the lens and we can see things for the way that they truly are. But until we get there, we're always looking at something. Everyone has a different lens built through their experiences, through just their life. And um, so there's kind of, I believe, endless interpretations of, of that text. And as times change as well, as we continue to age, have different experiences, our lens will change. We might see it a little bit differently. i I
0: totally agree with you and it makes me think too for you know over the course of this series i'll be talking to a bunch of different yoga teachers and and what becomes very apparent is how different everybody is and so what i hear from particularly new yoga teachers and and as a yoga teacher trainer i really love your take on this they worry that where is the space for me because there's so many yoga Mm -hmm. teachers there's studios everywhere it's the the marketplace is full. How can I fit? And yet from even just talking about one specific text, if that can be interpreted in so many different ways, because we all have different lenses, surely the same is true for how we show up and teach our students.
1: Yeah, absolutely. And I get this a lot too, because I do 200 hour teacher trainings. And so, you know, you have people and it's true. The market is incredibly saturated. That is true. Mm-hmm. But so much of it. I always tell my students a few different things. One, there's a teacher for every student and a student for every teacher, but not every student is for every teacher and vice versa. And yes. that's fine. Right. So not every student enjoys my style of teaching where I make jokes like, yeah, the the ninth limb of yoga is about butts and wine, right? Like not everyone's going to appreciate how I'm not always like just incredibly serious and, you know, that I that I'm a little silly sometimes, not everyone's going to appreciate that. And that's fine. But what I can't teach people, but what is going to resonate the most with your students is authenticity. And so if you can just be who you are and you just connect with your true self and teach from that space, that will resonate so deeply with your students and they will keep coming back for you right like my students they could go anywhere and get a vinyasa class the city i'm living in right now it is so saturated they can go anywhere and just take a vinyasa class right mm-hmm. but they're coming or they go on retreat right they go to iceland or peru and travel across the world to take these retreats with me not i mean there's just mm-hmm. as qualified teachers out there but they're not traveling with them they're coming with me and it's because i connect with that true self and i share my truth and my authenticity, and that's what resonates with them. I also think though, it is important to find something like I when I mentor different yoga teachers, they'll say things, you know, like I have to find my niche. I have to find my niche, which which isn't wrong. but are you picking what you do based on what you think the market does not have, or are you picking it based on what's true to you? So like for me, I love, Teaching. I love teaching teachers and training and travel, and that's why I built an entire business that's just location independent. Mm-hmm. But if you if you get anxiety just by having to take a domestic flight, right? Like that's not that's not your niche. Yeah, and and you have to you have to know yourself well, and then take those things, and that's what you share with people, and that's what makes you stand out.
0: Yeah, I love that. Um, and and that the the truest for me the things that seem to work best are the things that I'm so excited to offer people often talk to me about I don't want to be pushy with my marketing and I just think if you love so much what it is that you're offering it never feels pushy because you're just raving about it because you, you're in yeah. love with it
1: and you and you believe in it yeah right like when i when i launch a new retreat or something and i'm like hey you, like yeah, you could come spend a week with me and spend $2,000 to do this, but it's going to literally be incredible and life-changing. And these are all the things that we're going to be doing. And you get an entire trip and you get a yoga retreat and all of these things. And it's going to be incredible. And it doesn't, it doesn't feel pushy. I'm just like, oh no, like you're going to want to be a part of this. And let me tell you why. And then I tell them, and it's all, True, because you're so excited about it, and you created it and designed it like from your soul.
0: Yes, 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 yes to all of it. So I was on, having a session with one of my clients before, and we, and she was just talking about how um, she's worried that people aren't resigning for her classes because maybe they don't like her. And I said, well, maybe they don't. Um, and yeah. which, and yes, and 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 next. for her the thing is exactly. <laughs> no, I um, that's pretty much what we talked about, but I think it's tricky when, I think a lot of people get into this space of, um, they don't like me as a teacher that, and then therefore something's wrong with me or I'm a bad person, or how do you deal with, the uh, um, potential personal, uh, implications of someone saying, you know what, I'm just not into your class. People can take that personally.
1: Yeah. And I mean, it is, it is hard. Right, it is hard. I get people, and I'm sure Amy, you get this as well, right? People will um, like my podcast is just guided meditations. Some people will send me emails, and they'll be like, "Hi, I," they'll be like, "I think your voice is really annoying, so I can't listen to your podcast." I'm like, "Okay, great." Well, <laughs> one, I want to be like, "Okay, great," like what else could you've been doing with that time that you took an email to send me that you think my voice is annoying? Like, I can't, I can't change that. But I always try to teach people like, what's the difference between feedback and opinion, right? Opinion, Mm -hmm. everyone has it, right? Opinion is something where someone sends me an email and says, Hey, Kelly, just want to let you know, I think your voice is incredibly annoying. So I can't listen to your podcast. Okay, great. You know, delete next email. But feedback is something like, Hey, Kelly, I just wanted to let you know, um, I'm having a really hard time hearing the meditation because it seems like the level on your mic is a little bit low. Mm. Right. Like that's, Mm. that's feedback. And then I can take that in and I can decide whether or not I want to do something about it. Right. So maybe I listen back to the episode and then I decide like, oh, maybe they're, you know, the level seems the same. Maybe it's just, they're having headphone issues or whatever it is. Or maybe I'm like, oh, you're right. It does seem like the level of my mic is a little bit low. So then when I record for next week, I'm going to put it up. And it's easy to think about it in those terms, but then Mm. when you think about, you apply it to everything. Right. So when it comes to you as a teacher, some people have opinions like, um, I don't think you're serious enough, or you know you're you're too silly. Someone once told me I was too much fun. Okay, so <laughs> I'm like, okay, I, <laughs> I'm, so, I'm sorry. <laughs> I'm sorry. I feel bad for them. Well, I'm like I'm sorry. I have joy in my life, Um, but right, that's opinion. And when someone gives you opinion, you just have to. You're just like okay. You just let it go, right? Yeah, yeah. I have an opinion. You know that I that I whatever. There's certain foods that I don't like, right? That's just my opinion. I don't like to eat kiwis. A lot of people love kiwis. Okay, fine. Then I can just choose not to buy them at the store. Yeah. So when people give you their opinion about who you are, what you're doing, whatever it is, right? It's just opinion. You have to let that go. If it's feedback, Take it. You don't have to internalize it. Let it spin and ruminate, and then you go down this deep dive of like, "Oh my gosh, I'm a failure." And sometimes this feedback will be very, very honest, right? It will be incredibly honest. <gasps> Give us an example. Give us a real. I love these. Give us like, a, Ooh, of like a real, honest. Um, the one that you feedback. got, yeah. He put me on the spot. I have to think of like a really good one. These are so fun.
0: Well, I think we should, as a profession, we should share this stuff more often because it takes the yes. heat out of it. Don't you think? Yeah.
1: Also, I think we should share some of the um, mistakes that we've made. Okay. Like the really, like the really embarrassing. I'm trying to think of like some really good, honest feedback.
0: I got that's... one um, on Instagram last week, um, a photograph of me that I paid quite a sum to have yeah. specially taken. And the comment was, did you used to be a man? Well, that's not honest <laughs> feedback. <laughs> what's those interesting moments where you think, "Gee, who would They don't teach you what's the right answer to this?" Like,
1: oh, well, no, but again, it's, it's just like, going to uh, be authenticity because uh, you know, because you know how I would respond. I'd respond to something like, "Why are you interested?" Or well, would you I, just be like, said, is that. Like, what you're into?
0: Not in this, in incarnation, but you know. Trans pride, like uh, I don't want to. <laughs> yeah, like, I'm just like, there's nothing wrong with if I was, but I what, I, yeah, I, don't this, a, I don't know if you have a module on in your TTS about
1: about what to do someone asks. Dealing if with history. whacked out stuff. Oh, I'm. I i do not have a module on that, but if that's what we're going to share stories of, <laughs> have stories. tell me
0: your feedback story.
1: Okay. Um, well, one time someone sent me an email and said that like, she just sent me the scathing email I, I was writing it was in my newsletter and she responded to it. Why this woman subscribes to my new le- newsletter if she obviously thinks I'm like just full of baloney. Like, I don't know, just subscribe to a different newsletter and save your time. But, um, I was talking about how yoga and meditation are different because they're two different limbs And how um, yoga nidra, which is something that I love, is sort of a fusion of the two because the delivery of it as a teacher is going to be similar to a long guided meditation in which your students have their eyes closed, in which they're not looking at you and where you're using the power of your words to then take them through the koshas and to their true self, right? This is the point I was making. So she sent me this scathing email about how, um, I was wrong and I was misleading everyone and I was a fraud, and all of these people were going to follow me and they were going to think that um, yoga and meditation were two different things and ultimately they were the same thing how meditation is the practice of yoga and the practice of yoga is meditation and just this very long 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 thing about how I was wrong and I was like okay um and so and I did respond i I respond to these things um And I was like, you know, I I I appreciate you taking the time to, you know, write this very deep. I mean, it was she obviously spent time on it, Mm -hmm. a lot of it. And I, you know, I appreciate the fact that she felt like she needed to share that with me. And I said, you know, something that um that we learn through our study of yoga is that our truth may not be the truth, right? But all I can share with you is my truth. And through my study, through my teachings, through my Exploration of this topic. This is the truth that I have come up with, and perhaps it's possible in the end, you're right, right? My truth is not the truth, but this is the conclusion that I have come to because of A, B, C, D, and E, and that's why I choose to share it with my following because it is something that I believe in. But I respect the fact that you feel differently, and I hope that you find a teacher that. has the same beliefs as you, I can't, you know, I usually what I'll do is I'll be like, Hey, maybe you should go check out this person or that person or that person, or I have a colleague at this studio. Um, that seems to be a good fit for you. And I didn't have any recommendations for her at the time. I was like, it, you know, it really just doesn't seem like what I have to share that my truth resonates with what you're searching for. And so I hope you find a good fit. And, and the, the skill is, is in that piece of not taking it personally.
0: And I know for me, when I first started teaching, I was rubbish at that. That there was—it was just a, a direct correlation. If there was something wrong with my yoga,
1: there was something wrong with me. Yes, and it took time to build that up. Young and that's hard. Yeah, yeah. You take it. I think especially anytime you're new at something. Yeah, maybe. Feedback yeah, feedback is hard. Feedback yeah. is hard. Yeah. 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 Uh,
0: before we move on, and we do have important things to talk about, but I'm curious on this one, do you get people that have foot fetishes commenting on your Instagram? Of, <laughs> there's a lot of pictures of me on the internet with no
1: shoes on. And I seem to like, is that a thing for you or am I just lucky there? Um, well, I don't know. I mean, you're definitely lucky, but I would say on Instagram, the thing that people comment on most is my butt. I would much prefer people to comment on my butt. I don't know. Too. I mean, I'm starting to think my backside is my best side. Like, the messages that I get, the comments that I get, like, I feel like I should be doing this interview facing the other way. Well, we and that would be putting, my, literally putting my best side forward. <laughs> and I'm like, okay, but did you did you read what I had to to? did you read what the post was about? Like, it was something that I felt like was really, (laughs) I'm gonna be like, you know, I worked really hard on the actual content of this thing. And for you (laughs) to tell me that I have a great ass, like that wasn't the point. So thanks for obviously not reading what I spent a lot of time trying to curate to like inspire something deep down in you. And you just try to slide into my DMs being like, hey, great ass.
0: Well, obviously you inspired something deep down. It just wasn't what was written in the comment. Let's move on. So... Tell me about the transition you made from being studio owner to being like, because some people, as I was saying to you before we got going, this is going to blow some people's minds about how can you be a yoga teacher and be location
1: independent? Tell us about that transition. Yeah. So before I can get to that, I have to tell you about how I became a studio owner. Do it. So I have to read. Okay. So, um, I, did my first teacher training the week after I graduated um, university. Mm -hmm. And then I I was always into it for years and years and years and years. It was something, you know, I thought I, I kind of thought I wanted to be a teacher, but then there was that part of me that was like, what will people think? What if I, you know, I have all this pressure. I need to go get a degree. I need to go get a real job. And I did do all those things. I checked all the boxes, you know, check, check, check. I went and got a real job. Um, but then I, right after I graduated university, I also did my 200 hour training. So I was um, just subbing, teaching a little bit on the side while I had my big girl job, like in management. Mm-hmm. And then my, um, my boyfriend at the time, my now husband, he got into medical school. Mm-hmm. And, and so, you know, we had that moment of, um, but his medical school was in a one bar, one Walmart town in Missouri. And I don't know how many American um, uh, yeah, listeners I, I you have.
0: everybody knows enough about that.
1: Yeah, yeah. Yep. So like, even if you, it's just, we'll just say the Missouri Wikipedia page, not as exciting as some other states. That's just how I'll put it. Okay. So, so, and then we're moving to a one bar, one Walmart town in Missouri. It's very far away from my home. So I'm like, okay, we go through the whole thing. Am I going to go? Am I not going to go? Whatever. That's for like, probably like a therapy podcast. And then we go and we do decide that we're going, I had to leave my job. I had to leave everything, family, drop everything. Mm. And we get there and, um, and I had a pity party for a little bit. And then I decided that these next few years of my life could either be the worst. It could easily be a self-fulfilling prophecy. I could just, you know, wait until my time was up, move on to something else, or I could really try to create something. Mm-hmm. And I decided I really wanted to try to, to create something. I mean, my, my husband was always in school. It was just basically me and my dog. And we were like, you know, I was like, you know what, Mila, let's create something. Let's do it. <laughs> and, um, and so, <laughs> so we decided we were going to, and I started with one class Friday nights at 5 30 PM. And then I got bigger and bigger, and I worked on my teaching. I started offering private sessions. Like I really hustled. I was just all the time, just doing what I could, and ultimately led to opening up my own studio. Because this right. is an area that um, one of the few areas I feel like where yoga is not really a thing yet. Right. Um, it was. I had a lot of people telling me it was against their religious beliefs. Right. I had people telling me that it was um, uh, that it was you know trying to convert people to Hinduism. I would teach kids yoga, I wasn't allowed to use the word meditation, things like that. So yes, because it was just a very interesting place. So it not only challenged my teaching to find a way where I could meet my students where they're at and be like, oh, okay. Like I can still share these things with you, but not have to use terms that you're uncomfortable with. Like I can just teach in the common English um, terms. I don't have to use Sanskrit, all these things. Ultimately it led to opening my own studio, and that's where I started offering yoga teacher trainings because I wanted uh, the yoga community to stay alive, and there weren't a lot of um, teachers or ones that I had uh, been professionally trained. Mm-hmm. And then when we moved again, so we were in this town for three years, and then when we moved again to where I am now, um, we had to sell it, and I moved to the other side of the country again, and um, and. I just, I went from working like 80 hours a week, trying to take two days off a month. I mean, it was definitely too much, but just go, go, go. I had all these clients, all these projects, everything to nothing. Mm. I sold the studio. I, you know, moved nine hours away and... I had nothing. I was in this new state. I had no clients. I had no studio to teach at. I had nothing. And I was like, this is not sustainable. We knew we were only going to be here for about a year and a half. And now as you alluded to, my life is in chaos because we're moving in a few days again to another part of the country. Um, so every other than this wall, everything is in boxes and, um, yes, (laughs) but I left this wall for you, but, um, it's, I was like, this isn't sustainable. I can't think about how long it takes to really build up a following and clientele and students and all that. It takes a long time. Yeah. It takes probably about a year and a half, and then to have all that and then just leave again and once again have nothing. And since my husband's a student financially, we're entirely dependent on my business. Mm-hmm. Was like this isn't. I can't do this again. So I decided I was going to create something that was completely location. Independent. Mm. And so that's where I decided to merge my love for teaching and travel and um, like take it's very easy for me to now take a training or an event or something, take all of that with me, maybe go to another studio, create like a pop-up, right? Yeah. Come there for a weekend, do a training and then, you know, take it all down, go back home, whatever it is, or do a podcast or, you know, virtually do things, work with clients that now I have private meditation clients that find me through my podcast. I can do that over the phone. These yeah. are all things that I can do. And when we now move again in a few days, it it will not be that same, like go from everything to nothing. And I, I had to figure out a way to create something that felt good to my soul, but also was sustainable. I There's, there's so
0: many things here I want to ask you more about. Um, before we move to, uh, let's go here first. Uh, people often say to me that they're, they don't, While well, I've had clients who have moved distances internationally, this is the one that comes to mind, <laughs> and they had a, Good yoga following in one country, then they move home to wherever, and that and their students say, Hey, I want to keep practicing with you, can we do it Mm -hmm. virtually? And they don't feel that they're good enough or that it would be the same. So, Mm -hmm. I love that you have private meditation clients that you do over the phone. Tell us about that,
1: yeah. And I think part of that too depends on what service are you offering, Uh right? If you if you if you do a service that's incredibly hands-on, it pro- it won't be the same virtually. Yeah. It doesn't mean you can't, you know, find a way around it. Um, but something like meditation, they just need to be able, they don't even need to be able to see my face, yeah. right? They just need to be able to hear my voice and something like that. And I used to, I used to do much more of a physical um, practice and a lot of my clients were very physical. Yeah. Um, but I, you know, I, I started to f- Feel like those students are being served. I wanted to do something that was not Asana based, yeah. some more yoga nidra, even restorative things like that. Yeah. Um, but there's always there's always a way around it. And if it sounds to me like these people um, that you work with, when they are concerned that they're not good enough, this, that, whatever, perhaps that's what they need to be addressing. Why do they feel like you know? Is it what is it? Is it fear that's in your way? Because often, often I find. There's two kinds of fear. There's fear of failure, but there's also fear of success. Success. What if I fall? But also, what if I fly?
0: Yeah, totally. And
1: and perhaps that's what they need to be to be working on. And you you need to just need to just at least give it a shot. You might try it, and you're like, this really is not working. Okay, then just then just you know be honest with that. Be like, you know, this just isn't working. Release it back to the drawing board. Work on something. Create something new.
0: I agree. I love it. And I think that there's, two, there's different ways to think about is this working or not? Because if the, if we loop back to what you said earlier about, you know, you are the right t- teacher for the right student. I could stream all of the famous yoga teachers in the world for 20 bucks a month if I wanted to. But if my teacher that I have the connection with is in small town, wherever we are, yeah. then, then that makes it worthwhile for me. I want to be with yeah. that person. I don't need all of the yoga international or whatever because yeah. I just want that. And so sometimes I think it's also about considering is it working for the student? How much of this is my stuff? Because maybe it's they're loving it. They love yeah. being in meditation with you on the speakerphone.
1: Yeah. And open up that dialogue with them. Yeah. Ask yeah. them. People will tell you what they think, but a lot of times you have to ask them, right? Especially like your students, because there's such a personal relationship between teacher and student especially when you're working one-on-one or you have a longer relationship just ask them be like hey I just you know before we get started I just want to check in and I just want to make sure that this arrangement is still working for you like do you feel like you're getting what you need out of this um you know because my job ultimately my job is to serve my student yes and they'll tell me they will be honest with me but they probably won't start that dialogue on their own but if I just initiate it and it, it it will be scary and you'll be like, Ooh, you'll feel a little vulnerable because you're hoping they'll be like, yeah, this is great. This is awesome. It works. Um, But they might say, you know, I'm glad you said something because it's just, you know, I need a little more of this or I'm hoping, you know, I was hoping to do more of that or, um, you know, I'm thinking that perhaps if our relationship looked more like this, it'd be more beneficial. They'll tell you exactly what they want and what they need and then it it makes it easy for you because then you can decide either that's something you can give them and then you give it to them or it's not and then you can go from there.
0: Yes, I love that. And I think I don't know about you, but these days if someone says, if I ask for that at the end of a session, how was this for you? And someone says, It was awesome. Actually I feel sort of dissatisfied with that because what
1: can I do with that? Like how can we yeah. I got nothing. I always yeah, I always ask them, I'm like, do you feel like you got what you were looking for out of this? Yeah, yeah. And and then they'll either say, Yes, this was exactly what I needed, or they'll be like, Yeah, I feel like I got most of it, but I'm not quite clear on this. hmm Right. That's a, that's usually how I word it. I'll be mm-hmm. like, did you get what you were looking for? They might be like, you know, I got something different, but I'm realizing that's more what I needed. What I needed. Yeah. Yes. Yeah. And, and if you just, if
0: like, for you? how was how did that? that?
1: What'd you say? Does that happen a lot? That when they, that feedback of, I
0: didn't know it, I thought I wanted this thing, but turns out what I got was what I needed. Mm. That doesn't seem uncommon. That sort of.
1: Yeah. I think I do. I do kind of get that. Yeah a lot, but a lot of the work that I do, I'll do, um, like some personalized meditations or if like I'm mentoring someone, right. They start telling me about an issue that they have and they'll tell me about it and I'll be like, Hmm, well, it sounds to me that it's more, it's not, you know, so-and-so getting in your way, but maybe it's you getting in your own way. Or like, maybe it's, you know, I don't think what's holding you back is the fact that you have, you know, a poor internet connection it sounds to me like what's holding you back is you know you're unwilling to take the action to go fix it yeah. or whatever it is and then yeah. they're like oh my gosh i didn't even realize that was my problem and now i've realized it thank you you know it's it's i think sometimes as teachers it's we have to look at it from from the wide scope and sometimes truly listen to what people have to say and kind of intuitively get a feel for maybe what's actually going on and then help them with that. Like a good teacher can sort of um, pick up on those things that the student has not, right? Like, isn't that our role as a teacher to help pick up on those things and guide them and lead them and say, hmm, well, what about this? Well, have you ever thought about that? Or maybe, you know, maybe let's explore this. I
0: agree. And I think that is something there is a grace required to do that well, that maybe I know when I first came out of my first 200 hour, like I, I was clunky as hell and um, would, would just avoid having those sorts of conversations because I didn't feel that I knew how to handle it well.
1: And so I think it's sort of, that's something that you become more skillful with over time. Absolutely, one hundred percent. And yeah. think about you know anytime you start new on something, it's going to be clunky, yeah. right? Like yeah. like I I will I almost failed yoga teacher training. I I'm was so glad my, that
0: people could actually fail. That's,
1: that 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 one well, part that
0: you don't just I mean, I'm so sure up, you just get the thing.
1: I was gonna say, I'm sure they probably would have <laughs> still given me my piece of paper, but like when I had to teach my final class, it was rough. It was brutal. And all of the other students are like in the class. And as I'm clearly just like flopping, right. They all have that look on their face. Like Kelly, you're doing a horror. You know how you're like, (laughs) you want someone to do well, but you're like, you feel uncomfortable for like their discomfort. you're like, oh my God, this is so brutal. I was I was that person and I could see all like 12 other people in my class giving me that look like, does she realize how bad she's doing? (laughs) And like, and I realized how bad I was doing and it was brutal. And, and it wasn't until I realized, I was like, so I decided for like my peak pose, right? I was going to be all ambitious and we were going to do bird of paradise because (laughs) I was, I was like, just, I mean, I was like 22 years old. I was like, this is what we're going to do. you know, I'm going to really impress my teachers, not by like my knowledge or like my skill as a teacher, but I'm just going to show them how well I can do bird of paradise. And that's (laughs) right. This is what, this is whatever. That was a mistake. And then I completely, I botched it. I was like bind around the wrong leg. And then I tried to have them like standing on the back. It was a mess. And it wasn't until I realized, and it was because I was so scared. I was so nervous. I was terrified of speaking in front of people. I didn't, you know, I didn't let my personality shine. I just like this little kind of like yoga robot with like deer in the headlights. And then I just, and it was at this point where I obviously had let like I botched this pose and I just look out and I was like, wow. And I said this out loud. I was like, huh, these birds are not flying. Let's try it again. And then I just was like, these birds are not flying. I did not do this right. Guys, let's try it again. And that was the only thing that redeemed me because my teachers were like, it wasn't until you thought you had failed yoga school that you actually started teaching. And, And I was like, yeah, because I was so scared. I was so in my own head. And it wasn't until I was like, wow, all right, well, forget that. I've already failed to spend all, whatever, thousands of dollars on this thing. I just failed. You know what, guys, just let's try this again. And then I was just me. And that was the only part that actually was good. And, and that was the feedback that I got. They were like, you, they're like, we know you really well. Right. And they know I'm kind of like quirky, whatever, silly. And then I get up there and I'm like this, try to be this very like serious yoga statue robot thing. And I'm stumbling over my words and I'm not being authentic. I can't look anyone in the eye, all of these things. And it wasn't until I was like, well, whatever, I've already failed. So I'm just going to do this my way. That, that I finally was, was doing it. And that was one of the biggest, yes, that was one of the biggest lessons for me in that moment. But I did almost fail, um, yoga school, because of it. but I didn't. It's okay. I, I promise I have all those qualifications that Amy read a little bit ago. I promise. So I
0: want to talk more about all of those, but, um, can you tell us, like you mentioned that you work with teachers, you work with uh, students as well. Tell, tell us more about the trainings that you do. What do you, what do you got that we might be interested in?
1: So currently a lot of the trainings that I'm doing are ones that are not very physical based. I do have maybe once a year, I do like a 200 hour training. Um, but I do like meditation teacher trainings, yoga Nidra teacher trainings and restorative teacher trainings are the three that I'm really doing right now. And they're all done over the course of a weekend. It's a very, very full weekend. Mm. Um, you will need to bring your coffee for a weekend like that. It's, um, you know, a Friday night, all day, Saturday, all day Sunday um, and it's very much like an immersive weekend training Love. yeah yeah and and I do it for a few reasons one I find that especially if people are gonna travel right so the summer I'm headed to Toronto and then in the fall I'll be in the UK so if someone's going to travel even just within Canada or within the UK itself to just either have to take a day or two off of work to get there by train, plane, car, whatever, right? To just come and do it and immerse yourself for an entire weekend is so much easier to do than to say, okay, we're going to meet, you know, Wednesday nights for six months or whatever. Uh, yes. And so I do it because of that, but also the reason that I've been focusing on those modalities is I feel like there's so many teachers that are serving the physical, and that's wonderful. There are so many teachers, There's also so many teacher trainings where all they're really teaching is just asana yeah. and pose names and alignment and alignment cues and sequencing. And those are all incredibly important things, but that's not all of it. There are eight limbs to yoga. Asana is one,
0: Yeah, yeah.
1: right? So are you, I truly believe that to be a masterful yoga teacher, we are teaching all of the limbs and they are all equally important. And I've gotten the feedback from a lot of teachers, um, even teachers that have already done a 200 hour training and then they'll enroll in my 200 hour training. Cause they're like, well, all I learned were all the Sanskrit terms for, uh, and the alignment for all the poses and well, that's the, it. The and basic, they're like,
0: the basic yes. Word. And
1: they're like, but I don't, you know, I, I was told originally I had someone that was really critical of my 200 hour training. They're like meditation. Why do you teach them any meditation techniques? Like if they want to learn that they could just go take a 300 or 500 hour course. Oh, wow. And I was like, but why would it, and it's not, it's not the same as like, if we do a full meditation teacher training, but why wouldn't you learn the basics of it? Why wouldn't you learn how to, you know, write a strong guided meditation or even the benefits of it, or, you know, the neurological changes with meditation, yeah. or there's just so many things where people are like, well, why would you do that? Or they're like the chakras, like, that's not important. Like there's just, there's, you know, there's all these things that I'm like, huh. Um, okay. and. I just feel like there's so many teachers that can serve those people that want a very physical practice. And that is wonderful. And there's so many teachers that do that masterfully. And, but I have gotten the feedback. There's so many teachers out there that don't feel like they have the tools to, you know, their students are craving something like meditation or even Pratyahara, withdrawal of the senses, or maybe they want to do some of that deeper work. They want to be able to do yoga nidra, help their, their students, come face to face with their true self. Or maybe they have a student that cannot do a physical rigorous practice. They need to know how to do restorative with them, whatever it is. They don't have the tools that they need. And that's the feedback that I've heard over and over and over and over. And so that's why I started offering these pop-up trainings in things that are not strictly asana. Because we, most of us have that, right? But so many people feel like they don't have this missing piece or they're like, we did not even, you know, talk about people that have already done a 200 hour training. They're like, this is the first time I'm even hearing about how to set up a comfortable meditation position. They're like, so are you telling me you don't just have to sit crisscross applesauce on the floor? And I'm like, yep, that's exactly what I'm telling you. And they're like, no one has ever told me that before.
0: Well, I can see how that would happen for some lineages, but- you know, make, I signed yeah. up for a five-day meditation teacher training, and I mean, it was—we uh, won't tell you with who it was. that it was You can tell me course later when we're done recording. Oh, well, I'm yeah, 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 yeah. <laughs> really. um, it involved interpretive dance. Didn't see that coming. Um, oh, yeah, surprise! Uh, but yeah, not really my—you
1: know—you can probably tell. I'm not You're not an interpretive dancer. Party. Yeah, um, I look at you and I think she's got moves. <laughs>
0: I don't like you even more now. Um, <laughs> I could do like your drunk auntie at a wedding. That's about it. That's all I got. But, but my they're my favorite, was, right? The the one you just said then that like part of what you teach is how to write a guided meditation. Yes. I never even thought about that as a, like I never and even thought about that as a skill. What a beautiful thing to so that you can create your own
1: and tailor them for your students. What an incredibly yes. powerful skill. My, one of the biggest goals in all of my trainings is I don't, and perhaps this is a poor business model, but I don't want my students to be reliant on me. I want them to have the tools. So when you come like, for instance, like a meditation teacher training, anyone who's like, I really want to learn about interpretive dance. Don't come to my training. I'm not going to teach you that. What I'm going to teach you is how you can teach meditation. That is what I'm going to teach you. We go over the four um four common techniques so guided meditations, um, breath meditation, present moment uh present moment meditation, yep. and walking meditation. Yep. The reason that I pick those four is because as a meditation teacher, you have to figure out what kind of a style works for your student. Yes. And those are four of the most common styles, but they're for completely different students, right? Very, I have not come very across very someone Right. Right. And they're incredibly accessible. Um, and I'm going to teach you not only how to practice them, but I think a lot of trainings, that's where they, they stop and they fall short, right? They'll give you the knowledge and this deep understanding of the practice, but then how do you go and share it with people? Mm-hmm. Like when you come to a teacher training with me, I am teaching you and training you how to be a teacher in this thing. Yes. When you come to a yoga nidra teacher training, I don't just lead you through a lot of practices, maybe give you some scripts. I teach you how to teach and share Yoga Nidra. And then you take that, you take those tools. And then I, you know, push the little birdie out of the nest. And then they go and they share it. And they don't need me anymore. And I am proud of that. And that's okay. I don't want to create. I mean, someday they, you know, they might feel like, you know, Kelly, like, because of course in a weekend you're only going to go so deep, right? You're only going to be able to learn so many things. Someone's going to be like, I really feel like I'm mastering these meditation techniques, I'm sharing these with my clients are having so much success. Um, But there's some more that I want to learn. Mm -hmm. And then I can work with them one-on-one or maybe Mm -hmm. we do a more advanced training, whatever it is, right? They know how to get a hold of me. They know I'm not, you know, they know how to find me when they need more training, but I want to give them the tools, just like a 200 hour training. I want to give them the tools to go and be a successful teacher and not be reliant on me. And they can go and they can just take it and then they can do it.
0: I think that's a great business model. I think as as healers and teachers, that should be our vision, not building in dependency.
1: Right. I think so. But but you do see a lot of that. And you see a lot of that in our industry. You see coaches coaching coaches who coach coaches, (laughs) right? And it's like, and you're just, you're in this cycle. But I just want to give you tools for your toolbox and then... And then send you off. And if you ever need me, you need my support, you know where to find me and I'm always there to help you. But I'm not going to... And I know teachers that do this. I've seen it. Where they will give you... It's almost like they they give you 90% of the puzzle and they keep that crucial 10%. Or they'll give you all the pieces to the puzzle, but they don't show you the actual picture picture and what you're building. Yeah. And to me, that's just so wrong. Like, well, if I tell them everything then they won't need me anymore. Yeah. It's like, yeah. yeah, that's the point. Like when you go to fourth grade, your fourth grade teacher is supposed to teach you everything. So then you can go to fifth grade and yeah. you don't need fourth grade anymore.
0: It's, I think that's a very powerful, uh, yeah, I think that's a very, it's really, it's a powerful concept. And I agree with you. I think that there's a lot of built-in um, dependency that mm-hmm. comes from scarcity. I need, to, I need to hold on to people because they're my people. And what happens if that, whereas mm-hmm. like you said way back at the start, there is more than enough. There's it's more cool. than enough. And,
1: and they'll always come. If they need more, they will come and find me.
0: Yeah. Yeah. Um, and I also think there
1: is a place for, I don't have quite enough skill
0: in that, and I'm going to go upskill so I can teach it confidently. But there is also a place for, I'm going to spend a weekend studying with Kelly simply for the hell of it, because yes. I need to top myself up. I need to just be among my peers. I need to nerd out about something I'm passionate about. And I don't give a shit if I ever teach yoga nidra, break damn it, I'm going for a weekend.
1: Yes, absolutely. I also get people that are like, well, you know, I have to get so many hours so I can, you know, re-up my yoga alliance or whatever. And so I'm going to, this one's close. I'm going to, I'm going to pick it. I'm going to go. I get that too. And that, and that is okay. Right. For me, I am fine with having someone like that. They're like, you know, I'm kind of just here because I need, you know, I want to keep my certification alive. Like, that's cool. You're still like, you know, you'll get out of it what you put into it, but I'm still going to teach you these things. I'm still going to give you these tools in your toolbox. And I, I love, I welcome all students whatever their motivation is, period. Even people, I will let people that are not 200-hour trainings in my training, right? I have a lot of, especially like in a meditation teacher training. I have a lot of healthcare professionals. I have mental health professionals. A lot of people that are basically referring people out for meditation where they're like a lot of therapists that are like, I really think you'd benefit from meditation. And their client's like, great, but how do I do that? And they're like, well, here's a website or here's a meditation teacher I know, or here's this and that when they could just be teaching them the basics on their own. And so I will, I welcome anyone that wants to learn into my trainings.
0: I think that's great. And I think it would make for a better student experience too, because you would be meeting different types of folks and Mm -hmm.
1: And there's such powerful experiences when you yeah. hear people that, you know, I always have people share, like, what inspired you to come to this training? And I always appreciate everyone's really, you know, honest answers to that. And it's different perspective, right? Different lenses. It's so powerful and it it helps you to see things differently. And it also really challenges my teaching, which I like, because then I get feedback from people from different industries saying, Hey, um, you know, I love, I love this and this was so great, but have you ever thought about, you know, even doing an add on or mentioning this, or I get asked about, this. Like I, I recently added just a small part of my meditation teacher training on manifestation meditation. Sure. Cause that's something that a lot of people are being asked about right now. Yeah. And then I had people being like, this is so great, but what about like, I have so many clients asking me about it. Are you here about manifestation everywhere right now? Sure. And they're like, so I, I don't even really know what it is. So we just do kind of like a two hour little segment on it, Cool. but that's something right. But it's like so many people are asking me about it. So I'm like, yeah, I should I should put that in. And it it challenges my teaching to have people from all over like different industries and things like that coming. And, and it challenges me as a teacher, which I like. Whereabouts do you teach in the UK? Whereabouts are you doing? Yeah, I'm going to be be teaching in Bristol, England. Nice one. So yes. So a lot of what I do is um, I will have like other studios will approach me and they'll be like, Hey, we want to offer because I do also recognize part of the reason I, I do this. And this comes from having been a studio owner. A lot of your revenue is not just coming from your regular classes. Totally. So much of your revenue is coming from trainings. It's coming from events. It's coming from workshops. And so to be able to basically have a training in the course of a weekend, you can make a a yes. nice amount of money yes. doing that. And, but if you don't have someone that can lead it, how are you going to do that? And well, so what I, I do is I have people that will approach me and they'll be like, Hey, we would love to offer a training. We split a portion of the profit. We do a split. I come, but then I have a space, which is a huge, if you, anyone who does pop-ups out there, that's such a large part of your overhead yeah. is like renting a space. Yeah. So I have the space and you know, I basically give you know, they keep X amount of every person that signs up will have a minimum amount. They primarily fill it with their community anyway. Yeah. So I come, I have the captivated audience. I have a space. I bring all my things, I bring my manual. They, they already have the props that I need. You know, we've talked about, I support them with like marketing and that sort of stuff. And then I just come, I teach the training and I leave. So
0: I love this model. And I have to interject here for everybody who's thinking, Oh my goodness, we could get people coming to our studio and that could help boost our income. And yes, all of those amazing things Mm. caveat, not everybody is great. Like Kelly at getting shit done, returning things on time, showing up when they say they're going to be being like easy to deal with. If you're thinking about this as a way to boost your yoga business, you must make sure that you check out the put, like do some, the check in with people. What do they like to work with? Are they organized? Do they do what they say they're going to do? Because not everybody yes. does, Kelly. This is a, this is an important part of her business. You can tell from her vibe that she's got to hire her. It's <laughs> wonderful well, about the,
1: the people that you're hiring. <laughs> no, it's so true. I always say, and this goes for the the studios that I work with. Yes. Too. Yes, totally. I can tell. I can tell. I would say within our first two email correspondences, if this is going to be, I can tell by how long does it take them to get back to me. Yep. I can tell by the questions that they're asking me. I can tell by um, the just, I can just tell right away. Usually by the time I I get a lot of emails with people inquiring, right? Hey, I heard that this is something you do. I'd love to hear more about it. Great. And then I respond, you know, here's here's how it works. Here's the information. These are the trainings that I offer, you know, some of my whole thing. I can tell by how they respond if it's going to be a good fit or not if they respond pretty promptly and they're like, Hey, you know, great. I'm going to run this past so-and-so I'll get back to you. Can we schedule a time to hop on the phone later this week or early next week or great. And like a lot of people respond, they clearly haven't even read through the information. Yeah. And I'm like, okay, well, you know, there's step one, or maybe it takes some, they'll be like, okay, great. I'll look this over and get back to you. And then I don't hear from them for for months, or I'm constantly being like, Hey, just wanted to follow up and see if you wanted to schedule that call. And they don't respond, don't respond. Like I can tell right away if the people are serious with working with me or not. And vice versa. I've heard so many horror stories of people saying they're going to come and do a training and it's just a mess and it's a nightmare. And, and you never, especially if you have someone like, there's so much faith, right. That people put in me think about, you know, there's people in Bristol that are like, Is she really gonna come? Is she really gonna take that? You know, is she gonna get that flight? Is she gonna, you know, do all these things? And there has to be that that trust in there. And you absolutely need to do your research and know who you are hiring and if it's gonna be a right fit and if it's someone there's no amount of revenue that's worth having the headache of trying to always be chasing someone down, making it work, doing all these things, having to bend over backwards, doing 90% while they're just doing 10%, like. That's yeah. not why you hire someone. You I mean. should hire someone to alleviate that work, not to add to your plate.
0: Golden, golden, absolutely golden. Um, and so, you know, it just strikes me that in these sorts of situations, we actually are looking for more of an Iyengar approach to yes. <laughs> hiring someone than a vinyasa. You've done the nine modalities. Like this is not vinyasa flow territory. You want Gita is not are just yeah.
1: keeping things in order. This is not the time you want someone that's like, you know, I think the universe is just going to make this align for us. It's like, I, nope, I, I don't,
0: that I'm pretty
1: sure it'll be like a calendar, a plan, hard work and doing what you say you're going to do. That's going to make this happen. Yeah. The universe does not keep my calendar for me. The universe does <laughs> not schedule my flights for me. The universe does not, you know, triple check my manuals and... Like, that's not the universe doing that yeah. that's my hard work maybe the universe has me cross paths with someone that's going to be a great fit but the actual execution like that's my hard work and organization and you know my my professionalism
0: perfect perfect um we could talk for ages we've been talking for ages already so let's do this next for everybody who's like man I gotta spend more time with this woman she sounds amazing those trainings sound incredible i didn't even know that Yoga Nidra was different from shavasana get me to it. Where do we find out about your trainings?
1: You can go to my website, um yoga for mm-hmm. Also, I if you find me on Instagram, probably where I'm the most active, it's just at yoga for you Online. I do respond to every um DM that I get. All the butt ones? Not the butt ones. If you send me a DM and you say, Hey, great ass, I will decline your message. But if you send me a legitimate message that's about like my work or like, you know, my profession or my intellect or anything that is not about my physical shell and my perky butt cheeks, I will respond to you. But you can follow
0: her just for her butt. And I'm sure she won't mind because follow wasn't Instagram. Great. What's your Instagram? Yeah, again? but just
1: don't waste your time sending me a DM that it's <laughs> great. There's already enough creepers out there telling me it's great. So you don't have to send it to me. Send them, to,
0: Send those to me. I'll take any positive butt <laughs> comments you like.
1: You're like, great, the Did to choose to be a man, yeah.
0: <laughs> <laughs> can I suck your toes? Love social yes.
1: media.
0: Oh, uh, and what's your podcast because it also sounds delightful. How can we get on that?
1: Yes, it's called Mindful in Minutes, it's on all the places mm-hmm. wherever you are listening to our voices right now type it in the search box. It's only guided meditations. I don't do guests. They're all 20 minutes or less. I encourage you to go and use them not only like for your own self-care practice. I do, you know, this could be a whole other topic, but I think the reason we have such high burnout in yoga teachers as we are not caring for ourselves we we lose our love for the practice because it turns into our business so i encourage you not only to use it just for your own personal thing but feel free to listen to it and then use it for inspiration and be like wow i really enjoyed this creativity meditation i want to go share something similar with my students great great go and listen to them use it and and share it super refreshing thanks kelly and mm-hmm. folks if
0: you just need to top up your cup like go take a weekend of something new and different there's no interpretive dance for all of you p- pittering coded people like me you're gonna be okay she's gonna she said she said she had a manual we're gonna be safe um, yes
1: there is a manual and an itinerary
0: but there's also jokes so you've got us there all will coming. be so
1: many jokes if there's any dancing it'll be me doing it you don't have to do it
0: <laughs> oh <laughs> Optional.
1: I love it. Yes, always optional.
0: Trauma sensitive to me in dance. I really appreciate that,
1: (laughs) Kelly. Yeah, that's my trauma sensitivity training right there. For for, 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 dance, it's always optional. Failed
0: dances. Thank you so much for being just the most perfect guest to get us started. I mean, well, I've had so much fun, and there's some real gems in everything that you've shared so folks follow kelly everywhere send her respectful loving direct messages on instagram go to her trainings maybe i'll bump into you in the uk thank you so much for being
1: a great i would guest. love that thank you so much for having me i really appreciate it
0: feeling inspired ready to grow your own yoga business if you're ready to share your yoga with the people who really need what you have to offer, growing your yoga business with more ease, flow, abundance, and support, check out my six-month yoga business training program, Growing Your Yoga Biz, at amymcdonald.com.au forward slash growingyouryogabiz. Use coupon code Yoga when you check out for $500 off. Enrollments are open right now. Namaste.